Uh, we're in the series called Think Big. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, however you get Scripture, you can turn them. Tonight I'm going to have you turn to two groups of Scripture, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and following, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 22 or verse 13 and following. And if you don't have a Bible, your electronic device or whatever, in a few minutes the words are going to come up on the screen. So while you're bookmarking or, or putting that, you know, if you're old school and you have a, a paper Bible, you, then this is your chance to use that stringy thing, you know, in your Bible? That's what they taught us to call it in seminary. That's why you go to seminary. That thing, that thing's called a stringy thing. And so you can use that, and you can put your thumb, Philippians chapter 1, the stringy thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and that's where we're going to be. So while you're turning there, let me tell you a story. Maybe you've heard of this story, but there's this lady, and this lady was walking down a beach one time, and she came uh, upon a bottle, and the bottle was stuck in the sand. So she reached down, and she grabbed this bottle, and she rubbed uh, she rubbed the sand off of it to try to see what it was and all that other stuff. And all of a sudden, a genie comes out. And this is a true story, by the way. And so this genie comes out. And so the genie looks at her and says, you get, you get one wish. And she says, one wish? I thought you always got three wishes. And he says, lady, times are tough right now. And so you just get one wish. And so she says, well, okay, if I get one wish, I want to make it count. And so here's, here's my one wish. She says, you know what, I've always wanted peace in the Middle East. She says, it's like those countries have always been fighting. And she says, you know what, I happen to have a, a, buy, a, a map in my backpack. She pulls out this map. She begins showing the genie the Middle East and the countries that have been fighting. And she says, you know what, since I only get one wish, and, and then here's what I want. What I really want is not only peace in the Middle East, but I'd like harmony and peace in the whole world. I would like for one time there just to be peace in the world. And, and so the genie says, well, lady, you're asking you're asking for a really tough thing. I mean, those countries, they've been fighting since, for centuries, and people have tried to bring them together and bring peace. That's like an impossible thing. You're, you know what? Times are tough. You're going to have to come up with another wish. And so she says, well, okay, now maybe this time I'll wish something for me. I've never found a partner. And so I would like for you to find me a man. I would like for you to find me a man, a perfect husband that I can marry, uh, one that loves my family, loves my mom, uh, loves to cook, uh, is, is considerate but funny, uh, just showers me with, with compliments and affection, and it's just like this perfect person that doesn't even watch sports on TV and just does chores around the house. And so the genie looked at her and says, can I see that map again? So I threw us, all us guys under the bus, right? So sorry about that, guys. But there's something about us that we want, we want to enter into a partnership, right? There's something about us that desires community, that desires a partnership, that desires relationships that, that really go both ways. And so one of the ways that God has always directed me here at Fellowship the Rockies or in my ministry is just with a, with a word that comes out of his word. And so let me take you back a few years, and so maybe you can understand what I'm talking about. But in, 20, in 2011, God gave me a word out of life journaling. I was just life journaling one day, and God gave me a word for 2011, and it was the word membership, that we need to just come to the place to where we value, we understand membership, to where our ministry partners and our leaders become members here, those that aren't. So we're able to speak with one voice. We're able to align on some doctrine areas and so that we kind of know we're all headed and so we made that transition and then 2012 comes along and God gave me another word and it was the word discipleship 
And so if you remember in, in 2012 that all of a sudden we started putting a higher emphasis on life group Bible studies and sermon-based life, uh, Bible studies, we came up with the, the four B's in 2012 so that we understood some measurable goals or what was a fully assimilated believer or person at Fellowship of the Rockies. And so that was someone that is believing in Jesus and so that's talking about salvation. And then someone that's belonging to his family that becomes a member of Fellowship of the Rockies and values that. And then the next one was becoming his disciple so that we value life groups and we value Bible study and life journaling and all of those other things. And then we came to the last B, which was being willing to build his kingdom. And so really and truly, that's where we are tonight, and that's where we are in this process. Is that as many of you are aware that we have found land at the intersection of West Northern Avenue and Bandera. There's 50 acres there. The price is unbelievable. It's 18 cents a square foot. And so we're working now through the city of getting a special use permit, an amendment to the subdivision plat, and some of, some of those other things. And so, but it's really not about a, a building, because a building is not of the vision. A building is only a tool. And it's a tool to be used for building his kingdom. And then we as a church, we are praying about how much we should give over and above our tithes and our offerings so that we can afford to pay cash for this land. And then 2013 comes along. And actually it was in 2012, the end of 2012, and I was life journaling again. And God gave me a word right out of his scripture, out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and following. We're going to look at that. And he gave me this word, partnership. So we have to understand what a biblical partnership, what does that mean in business, what does that mean in life, what does that mean in sports, what does that mean in marriage, and what does that mean in church? Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, the scripture says this, Paul's writing and Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of what? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. In other words, he, there was this affection, there was this deep love, and I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers. In the Greek, that's the same word, partnership, partakers, same word. That you, there's a partnership going on here. With me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You see, this Greek word partnership is a unique Greek word. Fact is, this Greek word was only used in two of the deepest, most intimate relationships there are. This word partnership was only used in marriage, when referring to marriage and referring to the, the local church. It's this view, this belief, it's this word that you share in the burden and you share in the blessing, you share in the responsibility that you share in the reward. In other words, what the scripture says, a partnership doesn't go just one way. A true partnership goes both, way, both ways. A partnership means this. A partnership means you're all in. A partnership means that you're willing to take on the burden and you're willing to take on the blessing. You're willing to take the responsibility and the reward. What would happen in a local body? What would happen in a local church? If everybody got that, if everybody understood that, that a partnership, a partnership is not to where I get all the blessing or all the reward. You know that would be unhealthy in marriage, right? That would be unhealthy in sports. 
that'd be unhealthy in, in business. And so a partnership is not where I would get all the reward or it's not where I carry all the burden or I carry all the responsibility. See, what Paul is saying, this issue of partnership, this word that was only used in marriage, that was only used in the local church, was this issue that a true partnership is to where someone's willing to assume the burden and the blessing, the responsibility and the reward. And so Paul is passionate about this, and he's speaking into this church, and he's telling them what you could do, what we could do as a body, that if we all got that and understood that. The fact is, he goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he says, you know what, there's blessing in that. And he says, he says, there's a promise to that. Because whoever sows sparingly, guess what, you're going to reap sparingly. And whoever sows plentiful, you're going to reap plentiful in your life. In other words, there's this blessing in someone's life when they understand what a partnership is. You will never experience the fullness of God in your life until you understand what a partnership is in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. We're just going to walk through this as Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. And he goes on, verse 13, and he says, For I do not mean, so he's talking to a body, he's talking to a church much like ours. He says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden. He's talking about fairness, right? He's talking about this issue that, you know what? I do not think that some of you should, should just be eased and have all the blessing and none of the burden. And he goes on and he's fleshing out what a partnership means. But that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance and your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. In other words, there's this tension there's this tension in marriage, there's a tension in relationships, there's a tension in, in goals, there's a tension in life, and there's a tension in church between what Paul would say, ease and burden, responsibility and reward. And so what Paul is saying, what the Bible is saying is a partnership is where there's this equal, there's this equality between responsibility and reward. Nothing of its significance is ever established without understanding what a partnership is. Jim Collins said this. It's just an interesting quote, and I'll quote him. But Jim Collins says this. says, if your organization or church can be great without you, it is not great. In other words, the church or the organization that you're a part of, if it's all about reward for you, if it's all about uh, reward or, or blessing for you, then the church, the organization, will never experience the fullness of God that they could. That when someone receives all the reward and is unwilling to carry the responsibility, Paul would say that is not a partnership. The same way if someone's willing to do the opposite, a true partnership is when there's equality between responsibility and reward. A team works this way, right? One cannot just celebrate all of the touchdowns and not do any of the work. The fact is, you know what you call that person? You call that person a spectator. A spectator is the person that celebrates the touchdowns and the Super Bowls and the championships and the wins and doesn't read the playbook and doesn't, doesn't work out and one run wind sprints and all of that other stuff. That would be called a spectator. And this is true in business. This is true in marriage. This is true in teams. And this is true in, t- in, in churches as well. No church accomplishes much without this tension between responsibility and reward where there's this atmosphere of faith where people are praying and people are teaching and people are 
are serving and people are doing ministry and caring for children and caring for students and serving in different areas where there's this issue and there's this feeling of community. And so Paul is writing into their life and telling them that you have to understand this issue between responsibility and reward. Now, Karen and I are, my, Karen's my wife, in case you don't know. Uh, Karen and I are different in a lot of ways. Karen loves to exercise. I mean, Karen loves it. I mean, she lives for it. Uh, Karen loves it. And you know what? I really don't understand exercise, and I, I don't love it at all. Because you know what? If you've ever been around someone that exercises, you know they're always pulling the muscle, right? I mean, they always have pulled a muscle. And you know what I tell Karen? I tell her, you know what? I have never pulled fat. Right? Have you ever heard of someone limping and say, oh, I pulled some fat? I mean, I'm happy with fat because people that work out, you know what? They're always, they're always pulling muscle. They're always, and if you don't have a muscle to pull, you got, you know, you got nothing to pull, right? You got nothing to hurt. And so, but Karen, Karen loves exercise. And so there's this period in our marriage that she was convinced to get me to exercise and love it like she loves it. And so I bought her a treadmill for her birthday. It was a treadmill that she always wanted. And so, so she, she just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and, and saying, you got to exercise, got to exercise. So I, I got on the treadmill. We had a TV in the room, put on Sports Center, and I'm walking, and she's fixing dinner, and she could hear it. And so and she'll, she's excited at this point, right? And so she comes upstairs, and she looks at it. And I thought, you know what? I thought she was going to be pleased. And so she looked at it, and she says, that is doing you absolutely no good. And so she grabs the controls and she just starts banging on the controls. She's changing the incline. She's changing the speed because she said, you know what? You can work out in such a way that guess what? It is going to do you like no good. And I mean, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and so Karen leaves the room. And I looked over at the recliner in that room. And I'm like, what she doesn't know will not hurt her. So I got off the treadmill. I left it running. <laughs> right? Because you know what? I wanted the reward without the responsibility. I wanted the blessing without the burden. Until Karen snuck back in the room and then it was a different story. And so... We know this principle works. fact is, we know this principle exists. We know it exists in exercise. We know it exists in marriage, that a, a healthy marriage cannot be where someone gets all the blessing and none of the burden, and it cannot be where someone carries all the burden and has none of the blessing. So we, we get that, in, we get that in, 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 in corporations and companies. Why is it we walk in church and we check all that stuff at the door? And we think being a Christian should cost us absolutely nothing. And Paul's trying to help them understand. He's trying to help this, under, this church just understand as believers that it's not God's will for some to experience reward, 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 and some to experience responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. So three attributes that, that Paul pulls out. And it's just so interesting. We'll, just real quickly, three attributes about a partnership or about the type of person that enters into a partnership. The first one is this. There has to be a willingness. This is Titus. The fact is we're going to look at three different types of people in, as we look at this. And so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16, here's what the Scripture says. And he's talking about Titus, and he says, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. 
For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you what? And he is going to you of his own accord. In other words, Titus was this guy. He was just a willing person. He was willing to carry the burden, and he's willing, willing to receive the blessing. He was willing to carry the responsibility and the reward. This guy, Titus, he didn't do it because he was guilted into it. He didn't do it because he was made to do it. He didn't do it to, because someone forced him to get on a treadmill and all that other stuff because that doesn't last, Right? Titus was one of those guys that didn't do just enough to get by. Titus knew that, you know what, I am a believer and I am called of God and I am passionate about that. And so he understood a partnership. He understood what Jesus taught when Jesus says, too much is given, much is required. And he understood and so he was this guy that, he was just, he was just this person that was just willing. And it's an amazing thing to have people around you like Titus, Right? That are just willing, those types of people, they don't do just what is asked or what is required. They are so passionate about it that they're going the extra mile. The second characteristic that we see of a person that, is, that, is, that understands a partnership is this, is that they're humble. In other words, humility. Now, this is an interesting thing to me when, when, when Paul begins writing about this guy because we don't, go, we don't know this guy's name. See, this guy's name referred to as the brother. And so here's what's so interesting about that to me is that in my computer I have software that, I don't know, three to 5,000 books that I, I can look at and all of that, but I have access online to two seminaries in Denver that I can search there. And so this last week... I began to search over and over, see if anybody knew this guy's name. Nobody knows his name. They knew his name. We don't know his name. Watch this, verse 18. With him we are sending the brother, that's, that's all we know, who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our good will. So all of a sudden they're sending this brother, this guy that was humble, that had a great deal of amount of humility. He was like the administrator. See, the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 was this, is that they were taking up an offering to help the Jerusalem churches. They were taking up an offering to help the poor. And so the brother was this guy that was humble, but he was known by the other churches. He was trusted by the other churches. He was respected by the other churches. And this guy was like... Well, he's like the administrator. And so he's loved, and he was known, and he was trusted, and we don't know his name. All we know is he was just called the brother. And there are a number of people in our church who serve in our church that you will never know their name. Because they don't do it for name recognition. They don't do it for the church to honor them and respect them, and then when the church doesn't, they get mad. We have an unbelievable number of people that just serve in our children's ministry, the 
takes care of many of your kids and studies a lesson during the week and memorizes some scripture and teaches your kids scripture as they work in the student ministry. And they show back up here early on a Sunday afternoon and they begin redecorating this room and the foyer and some other rooms so it has a more youthy, a cooler feel, as they would say. And they begin praying for students and they begin greeting them. We have ushers and we have greeters that show up hours before you ever arrive. putting out food, preparing. Do you realize all of our groups, our ushers and greeters meet in another room and worship team meets here, and even before the service starts, even before they start anything, do you realize they start praying for you and your worship experience? We have life group leaders that study and open up their home to relationships and to family and friends in this church. We have a deacon ministry that there are a lot of late nights that these guys are in the emergency room and in a hospital or they're down here at a hospice and they're helping people. We have a group of people that do food services. We have to make sure you have snacks and all that other stuff. We have, we have office ministry partners that come in every week and just do clerical work and just serve, and many of whom you will, you will never know. We have a worship ministry and tech team and impact ministry, and, and we have people serving on mission trips all over. Ladies' ministry and men's ministry. But see, that's, that's how the kingdom is supposed to work. People carrying the burden week in and week out. Not out of pride, but out of humility. When, everybody, when anyone leads with this air of pride, they always blow out because they don't get the thanks. They don't go look, get what they're looking for. But see, the, the brother in this scripture was one of those guys that his name isn't even recorded in scripture. We'll never know his name. And if you get to the heart of the church, it is a group of people, and it is made up of a group of people who have never made it about themselves. It's about building his kingdom. It's about expanding his kingdom. The last quality, the last part of someone who, who, is, who understands a partnership is just this issue of consistency. It's this issue of consistency or relationships. Now, verse 22, as we just continue reading, and with them. We are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of this, his great confidence in you. And as for Titus, he is my fellow partner. So you see that word again, partnership. He's a partner with me and a fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches to the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and, and of our boasting about you to these men. I mean, all of a sudden you start understanding what a partnership is about. And then that there's this consistency. Because Paul said in verse 5, he said, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, 
And so when people carry the responsibility with you from year in and year out for many years and, and all of those memories and all of those victories, it is an amazing thing. And for some people that carry it for a long period of time, sometimes it's easy for them to say, you know what, I have paid my dues. It is someone else's turn. Or sometimes it's easy for people to say, you know what, I paid my dues at another ministry. I paid my dues at another church. And guess what? It is someone else's turn. But I'm telling you, it is a powerful thing when people carry the reward and the responsibility for years upon years upon years. And there's just this consistency that they serve alongside of you for years through, you know what, through good times, through hard times through difficult times, through times of disagreement about preferences, through times of struggle, and times of great blessing. And I am so thankful for the long relationships that I have here of the people that have gotten this and the people that have understood this issue of reward and responsibility. But you know this when you're a child and when you're living at home. There's a reward for living at home. But for the home to be healthy... There has to be chores. There has to be a responsibility. And so it is just not the reward. It's just not the reward of a great church or a church with great, great worship or a church with great music or a church with, with great ministries or a church where you could invite your friends or a church where a lot of people are getting baptized. There's, there's this tension between reward and responsibility. To where people understand and they're giving of their time and they're giving of their talents. And they're ministering to people. They're opening their homes to people and they're serving in the local church. And you look at Titus. And he was this guy that would do way more than he was ever asked to do. And who put that in his heart? The scripture says God did. Listen, let me tell you something. When your heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal, right? When your heart is in it, when you're all in, when your heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal. A few years back, Karen was still talking to me about this issue of exercise, and you can see there's a common theme in our marriage, and it's run all the way through about this issue of exercise. And, and so Karen says, well, you know what? Let's find something because, you know, I don't want you to die early and that whole deal. And, but my cholesterol always has been better than hers, and I eat bacon the night before I even go for the test. And so, but my... <laughs> It's always, my cholesterol's always been better than hers. And you know what? It's always kind of frustrated her because she says, look at how you eat. How could that be? I said, I don't know, genetics, I guess. And so, but she was wanting me to exercise, and so we started running together. And I, man, I hate running. And so then she got these, she was okay, so she got these DVDs of that P90, P90X. You guys remember that? I thought I was going to die in... And that was the evaluation portion, the 15-minute deal to make sure your heart was strong enough to do it. I couldn't even make it through that 15-minute period. And so I'm like, Karen, this is horrible. I, I, I want to exercise. I just don't like it. And so Karen says, well, you know what you got to do? you got to find something that you love. Because the principle is true. When your heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal. The same is true when your heart is not in it. The responsibility is horrible, right? You ever been in a situation when your heart really wasn't in it and you were doing it out of guilt or you're doing it out of because someone was forcing you to? And so Karen's like, you know what? You gotta find something that you like you love to do. So I, I started playing golf. And so you know what? I learned I'll walk 
eight to ten miles <laughs> on a golf course chasing a white ball. Why? Because my heart is in it. And if my heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal. Karen and I picked up bike riding, and so uh, we've ridden 22 miles. That's unbelievable. We've rid ridden 22 miles from our house to Beulah. And so some of you have seen us, and you have honked at us on the way, and you've made fun of me because Karen was ahead of me. And, and I'm just going to tell you, that's because I'm a gentleman. I, I mean, I need, I need to be behind her because if she breaks down and gets a flat tire, I'll be there to help her in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Maybe longer. Sometimes I can't even see her. But you know what? I'm on. But you know what? I don't mind the pain. Why? Because when your heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal. And when your heart is in it, there's a tension between responsibility and reward. I mean, consistency of relationships that just get that and just understand that in, in marriage and in family and, and in church and a few months back, Karen and I were praying because we really wanted to be a part of, of a life group. But it freaks a lot of people out when the senior pastor shows up at the life group, right? You know, sometimes they think they're in trouble, what's going on, and he's checking, you know, checking up on us. And so, you know what? We never could find a life group. And so Karen and I just privately began praying about, you know what? We'd like to find a life group, and we'd like to build relationships. And so a few months back, there was a couple of life group leaders that were leading the same life group came to us and says, hey, listen, uh, we don't know if you're open to this, but, but we've kind of been talking about this within our group, and we would like to know, we feel led of God to invite Karen and you into our life group. And we don't want you to lead. You don't have to lead. You guys lead enough stuff, and, and so we don't want you to lead. We just want you to be a regular person and a regular couple, and so uh, you'll never know what that did for us. And uh, we said, well, We've been praying about that. And so we went to the life group for the, the very first time. And, you know, and you, still, you still really don't know. And we knew a lot of the families. There's a lot of great families. And so we went for the very first time. And, and you know what they did to us? So, you know, when they did the question, the first question was, what did you think of Pastor Charlie's sermon? <laughs> so the leader said, hey, what did you guys think of Pastor Charlie's sermon? They all did a blank stare. And they go, oh, <clears throat> You can hear them clearing their throat. And I mean, it went on forever. I says, I'm thinking, this is so awkward. I'll never be back. This is why I don't go to life groups. And they said, nah, we're just kidding. So we all laughed and everything. But at prayer time, I listened to their prayers. And just the consistency of relationships, of years together, of praying for one another, encouraging one another, Supporting one another, helping each other out. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about this issue of consistency of relationships. Paul's talking about that. That we are called in the local church to carry the responsibility and the reward. Philippians 4.15, the scripture says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church, no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And so I'm inviting you 
I'm inviting you into a partnership. You will never experience the fullness of God in your life till you understand a partnership. And there may be somebody who says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've been coming here and, and I haven't really partnered back with you guys. And man, it's just been one blessing after another. Well, of course you have. Because people have partnered with you. And they're giving of their time and they're giving of their resources. And they're ministering to your children. And they're serving you every weekend. And I am inviting you into a partnership with us. Because you will never experience the fullness of God, I promise you. When your heart is in it, the responsibility is no big deal. Because my heart is in it, it's what's kept me here for 18 years. There have been hard times. There have been deep personal hurts. There have been struggles. There have been times of great faith. There have been times of great blessing. There's been times of just great consistency, of just trusting God. And when your heart is in it, the responsibility, no big deal. But when your heart's not in it, the responsibility will destroy you. 